Good morning, church. Another blessed Lord's Day. Privilege of gathering together as this body here. We're going to go through a study on the body of Christ, Romans 12, 3 through 8. Let me start off with some prayer. Lord God, we do thank you for the privilege and honor to be able to come and gather in your name as your church, as your body, to represent you here on earth. I pray that you would bless our time this morning, that you would be lifted up in this place, that we would be edified, that your word would be magnified, and that your holy name would be praised. We give you this time, and we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. I ask myself this question quite a bit, but I'm going to ask us all, why does God bring us together as a body of believers? Can't we just worship him on our own, by ourselves, in the privacy of our own home? Why do we have to gather together? And, and for what purpose? What can we accomplish together that we can't accomplish as individuals? Do we really need to depend on one another as we walk through this Christian life? When we get together as a church body, how are we supposed to function? Is there a goal in mind when we meet together? How can I be a better participant in the body of Christ here at Pacific Hope Church? So those are just some of the things that I, that I ask myself. I know as individuals we can live victorious Christian lives, lives that reflect Christ, lives that bring Christ glory, honor his name. As individuals we can live, live lives that are uh, productful and fruitful as individuals, we can accomplish much for the kingdom of God. But I believe as a body of believers, we can even be more fruitful and productive. As a community of believers, as a church here at Pacific Hope, we can have a greater impact on one another, a greater impact on our neighborhood. Our lives individually should reflect Christ and bring him glory. But I think sometimes the privilege of Christian community is lost. God has designed his church in such a way that we are encouraged to be interdependent upon one another as we are dependent upon Christ. And I think we need to take advantage of that very special privilege we have as Christians. You might be a member of a club somewhere and the difference between being a member of a, of a club and the member of a church is astronomical. You can't even compare the two. So the world does not understand the kind of life we have here as the body of Christ. They can't appreciate it. So I believe we need to take advantage of the special privileges we have as the body of Christ. As you go through life, you're going to encounter a lot of opposition you're going to be constantly forced to prove your, your worth by achieving goals that are based on worldly standards. Dependence on one another is seen as a weakness. Dependence on Christ is seen as a weakness and sometimes even a cop-out. Thinking more highly of yourself is probably very common. Making sacrifices only happens if it's going to end up with a pay raise or a higher standard of living, and you never sacrifice yourself for the betterment 
of someone else. The world has also set us up at a very early age to compete. We're constantly measured in terms of skill, education, our looks, our talent. In many ways, how we measure up will determine if we're successful or not. But when it comes to the body of Christ, the biblical perspective needs to change. We, we go from becoming individuals to becoming members of one another. We go from competing with each other to cooperating with each other. One of my favorite sporting events, and it happens every other year, is the Ryder Cup. Does everyone know what the Ryder Cup is? Some, a few. It's a golf tournament where the United States plays against Europe as a team. So you have guys that for the rest of the year are, are pitted against one another in competition as individuals. You know, Americans against Americans, Europeans against Europeans, and Europeans against Americans. But then you put them together as a team and everything changes. And what's interesting is this, if you're a professional golfer, this is a highlight of your career. This is something that you dream, you dream of making the team. So I'm always interested to see how they, they uh, act as, as teammates of one another. And that'll determine a lot on how successful they are. Europe has gotten the better of us the last few years, but actually the U.S. won this year, which was, which was kind of fun. I know growing up, I played in a lot of team sports. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that time working with, with other people to accomplish certain goals. And if you're parents of, of children and you have the opportunity, I would encourage you to do that if you can. It's, it teaches you a lot of, a lot of great skills as, as kids growing up, how to depend on one another, how to support one another. Let's turn to Romans 12. And we'll read 1 through 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in the body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ." and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, in service, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness." So the church is one because the Holy Spirit indwells all believers. The church is also diverse because the Spirit distributes different gifts to all the believers. The gift of the Holy Spirit creates the church's unity 
while the gifts of the Holy Spirit creates the church's diversity. I'll say that one more time. The gift of the Holy Spirit creates the church's unity, while the gifts of the Holy Spirit diversify the church's ministry. So then how are we to evaluate ourselves within the body as a whole? How do I fit in here at Pacific Hope Church? What is my gift? How can I help? 1 Corinthians 1, verses 4 to 7. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you're not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to focus on using our gifts within the body to serve one another. We have a lot of many gifted and talented people here at Pacific Hope, uh, preaching, teaching, evangelizing, admonishing, administering, giving, serving, helping. In fact, a lot of times when we, as leaders of the church, go through our membership directory looking for people that might be able to help in a certain area of ministry, already serving, already serving, already serving, already serving. We have a very, very, we're blessed here. So I'm, in a way, I'm kind of preaching to the choir. But I wanted to share this study because I, I think it fits in really well with Ty's study on stewardship as we steward the gift of God that God has given us. You should always have a church where you have more servants than you have those that, that don't. You don't want a church full of spectators. All Christians should have a role in ministry in some form or another. God creates us equal, yet different, so as to complement one another. Equal, yet each person has a different role. I know when we first got married many, many years ago, one of the things that they made us do was write down how many things you're different in. And I'm like, wait a minute, aren't we supposed to be like complement one another? And aren't we supposed to be unified in, in things? And it actually was really, really interesting. So the purpose of this, of this little study was to just show how, how well you can complement each other, even within a marriage. And I think the same is true within a church body. We are all different and, it, and we're different for a reason. You might have that, that person in the marriage who's the disciplinarian, and you might have the other person who's more the, the person that loves, and you need, you need both. If you had all love and no discipline, you know, what would that give you? Or all discipline and, and, and no love. The church is not unlike that in many ways. We're brought together for many different backgrounds, for many different purposes, if you had not been saved and continued down the, the path that you were headed, there's no way that you'd probably be sitting next to the person that you're sitting next to right now. But God throws us together for a reason. We all have different strengths. We have different weaknesses. Strengths, why? So you can be strong when another is weak. Same thing when someone's weak. You can be strong the best example of all is when we're weak, Christ is, Christ is strong. And I'm sure that those of us that are in the Lord know that we are completely dependent upon him. Again, as we're interdependent on one another, we're always dependent upon him. I think one of the hardest things to do, 
I think especially for men, is to rely upon one another. We think we all have to be self-sufficient. I think in a way it, be, it becomes ingrained in us as children. Only the strong survive. I'm going to do whatever it takes to, uh, to make sure that I do, even if it includes tearing someone down at times. We're not very good at asking for help. One of the things, and this doesn't, isn't true so much anymore because we have Siri on our phones, but one of the things that guys would never do, I would never do, is ask for directions. Why don't you just stop at the gas station, ask for directions, we're going to figure this out, you know, we're going to get there. Now you just, yeah, Siri, right? It, it's a whole new world. But as Christians, God has given us his word as a blueprint for godly living. If you did your homework last week, you read through the Sermon on the Mount. And if you read through the Sermon on the Mount, I know I did this, this sermon is filled with practical righteous living. I had to ask myself, okay, if this is the Lord's sermon to us, how then am I to respond? How then shall I live? So God has a plan for his church, and we should all know our position, our mission, as we submit to him. We see the love that Christ had for his church and has for his church that he has chosen us, that he justifies us, that he continues to sanctify us, and that one day he will glorify us. And we learn that God has given us a mission, and that mission takes place as as we submit to one another. In other words, God has a plan for his church, and that plan is revealed through the scriptures. So as Christians, we we are a peculiar people. We're called out of relationship and a love for the world, into a relationship and a love for for our God and Creator. Our lives are no longer our own. We've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We've been redeemed. We're no longer slaves of our selfish desires. We've become slaves of Christ and, and to one another. So we studied the Corinthian church a lot this year, and even though the church was composed of Christians, they, they were acting out in a very immature way. They had to be reminded constantly to separate themselves from the world. They were, worship, they were also worshiping the gifted person rather than the giver of gifts by following men rather than Christ. If you could turn with me to 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 9. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? When one says, I am of Paul, another I follow Apollos, are you not merely being human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollo's water, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So Paul had to remind the Corinthians whose church it was as they began following men rather than Christ. They also were very jealous of one another's gifts 
instead of working together for the furtherance of the gospel. So since we're jumping in in Romans 12, we need to realize that Paul has laid a great foundation in Romans 1 through 11 of wonderful theology and doctrine. And he does that in a few, he does that in Ephesians too, where you have the first three chapters are, are doctrine and solid teaching. And then you have, okay, now that, therefore, since you know all this doctrine now, how shall, shall we then live? How, you, how, how are you to work out your faith? So our, the goal of our study should always be just that. If this is what it says, how am I to respond? How do I apply this great teaching to my life? Everything needs to come back to God's word, the biblical blueprint for our lives. If this is what God's plan is, how can I take part in it? Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's no, no, no longer us who lives, but Christ who lives in us. It's the only way that we can offer spiritual sacrifices. Our sacrifices are only worthy because Christ's sacrifice is worthy. We're only acceptable because Christ's sacrifice was acceptable. And we can only present our bodies as holy living sacrifice because Christ first presented his body as a holy living sacrifice. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So we no longer conform to this world. We become a peculiar people by the renewing of our minds. The transformation of our minds comes through the study of God's word. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So back to Romans, Romans 12, 3. I'll read it again. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Paul was assured of his mission, his calling. He was Christ's ambassador to the churches. And although he was very gifted, he remained humble as he used his gift for the building up of the body of Christ. Paul brings us God's commands by his, by his grace and gift as we are called to obey those commands by the grace of God. The second part of this verse in Romans 12, 3 speaks of how we ought to think of ourselves. We're never to assume more than our capacity or our calling. At the same time, this doesn't mean we should have a false humility and not use the gifts we've been given or bury them. We should never run from what God has called us to, and at the same time, we need to realize that we all have a gift. It's by God's grace alone, and he alone is our sufficiency. So we're not to think more highly than ourselves, but we're supposed to think with sober judgment. 
We are to be sober, clear-headed, temperate, serious. Think clearly with calm seriousness. I've seen many of you use your gifts here at the church. I, I, I can't help but constantly think of the person who gave one year of his life as a general contractor to oversee the, the reconstruction of this, the remodeling of this building. What a blessing that was, the worship team who sacrifices greatly. You don't see them in here early practicing, getting ready for us. The prayer team who meets before church starts and prays for us during the week. You have great teachers. You have the hospitality team who blesses us. And all these things kind of happen without us even knowing. We have people cleaning the church on Saturdays, giving up of their Saturday mornings to make sure that we come into a clean church. People visiting one another. I could go on and on, but I think the point is this is a church that that loves the Lord and, and serves the Lord and loves one another. So you sacrifice your time, your talent, your resources. And I know that uh, it's, it's, it doesn't go un, unnoticed, that's for sure. And um, we're very, very, very thankful. So in Romans 12, 3, God has also given each one of us a measure of faith. Don't go beyond what you're called to do in foolish ambition. Again, I, don't, I want to make it clear that I'm not saying we shouldn't all be stretched in how we serve the Lord, but don't go beyond what you're capable of. But, but push yourself beyond your normal comfort zone. But don't answer a call that's not yours um, in your foolish pride and ambition. Don't answer, if a man applies the word of God and believes that what God says about him, he will admit to what he really is, and he will enter in by faith into what he should be, in Christ. We're all sinners, saved by grace, practically working our salvation day by day. And at the same time, we're positionally righteous because Christ alone is the righteous one. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Submit yourself to God and he will lift you up. Be meek and teachable and so that he can mold you into the servant that he wants you to be. God will raise you up in due time. I've seen men put in leadership positions before, before their time. I've seen ministries suffer and fall. When I was first saved, I was going to a Wednesday night study that was led by a, a younger man in, in a big church. And there was a big following, a couple thousand people that would go to this, this service every Wednesday. I saw him later in a, in a place of business, and I asked how he was doing. And he said, not good. I said, what happened? He goes, I, I was given too much, too fast, too soon. He goes, when I, I fell, I crashed. And unfortunately, he wasn't walking with the Lord. Um, a false conversion. Very gifted guy. He could speak but he shouldn't have been in the position he was in. And so we have to be very careful that we don't have zeal without maturity in our Christian walk or even biblical knowledge without love. The grace gift we have been given is a portion for different functions. Ephesians 4, 7 says, but grace was given to each one 
according to the measure of Christ's gift. Different measures of faith according to the need for the ministry for which that faith is supplied. God is sovereign, and he chooses upon who he will grace and for what purposes and what portion and for what ministry. We are not to be jealous or even question one another's calling or even God's plan for one another. We're to be responsible for what he has for each one of us as individuals. Back to Romans, Romans 12, verses 4 to 5. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So everybody needs structure. Structure is important. Without it, you'd have a lot of body parts lying around, not serving any purpose at all. It doesn't work that way. They, they, they work together, and they're important as they're, they're part of the whole. You have the head of the body, which is Jesus Christ, and that's important. We need to remember that. Colossians 2.19 says, And not holding fast to the head, from which the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. So we're knit together in Christ. Christ the head holding fast to one another, holding fast to Christ, and he nourishes us. Colossians 1.18, he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Christ is our source. He is our strength. He is the first in all things. He rules all things. Even Christ is the head of the church. Although he uses the ministry of men and women through the counsel of his word as his substitute. He doesn't transfer the right and honor, but he transfers the work to us as his body. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We all have different functions that doesn't make us better or, or less than one another. Our different functions should actually contribute to the betterment of the body. No one is less important or more important than anybody else. We've all been given gifts, and those gifts are by His grace and His grace alone. We are each important as we contribute to the body as a whole. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Verses 4 to 11. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. Varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To the one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, and according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, 
to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Varying gifts, varying types of service, varying activities, same God who empowers everyone by his Holy Spirit for the purposes of ministry. And we need to remember that the goal in, in all of this gifting is for the building up of the body to bring Christ's glory. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Really hard to stir one another up if we're not here meeting together. It's hard to love one another, serve one another, minister to one another, admonish one another, encourage one another. It's hard to do all the one another's if if we're not together as the body of Christ. I believe this pandemic was just a small test of what we might go through in the future as the body of Christ. We are going to need one another. We're going to need one another more and more as, as the day draws near. Perhaps Paul is telling us that we shouldn't be so individualistic in our approach to sanctification. Our transformation and character is especially seen in our relationships with one another. I remember my dad telling me in school when I wasn't having fun doing math and things like that. He said, if there's one thing you can learn in school, if you can learn how to get along with one another, you've learned a lot. And I've carried that through the rest of my life. Life is about learning how to get along with one another. And all those things are, other things are important, but we need to be able to uh, give God glory as we uh, relate to one another on a regular basis. You know that more ministry happens after church, whether it's on the, the patio or during the week, various studies that are going on with the men and the women, prayer time, lunches with individuals. There's a lot of, lot of ministry that takes place, and we can't discount that time. That time is important. We love hearing from the Word on Sunday mornings, but again, we should take what we've learned and go ahead and end up uh, reflecting Christ throughout the week and the things that we end up uh, doing as we meet with one another. We also need to be in the business of stirring one another up to love and good works. As you read 1 Corinthians, you see that the church... That Corinth had some problems with that. They didn't understand what the gifts were for necessarily. They were missing the point of what the, that they were for the building up of the body. There was spiritual pride. There was a lot of disunity. But a body that is functioning properly is the sign of a healthy church, one that is glorifying Christ, useful in ministry, growing in love, and able to contribute to the furtherance of the gospel. We are bound together in love for the work of the ministry, for the furtherance of the gospel. 
both the teacher and the disciple, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Let's turn to Ephesians 4, 1 to 16. I still hear a few pages turning. Mostly it's, I think it's iPhones, people scrolling. (laughs) Ephesians 4. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, He led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fit all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes rather speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We're to walk worthy of our calling. We're to bear with one another. We're to keep the unity of the Spirit. There's one Lord one baptism, one faith. But notice we've all been given various gifts by a measure of grace so that our gifts might be for the edification of one another. And we minister accordingly. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified in Christ Jesus. So Christ descended so that he might ascend, and he comes back with, with gifts for the church. And as he returns, he fits us with various ministries that he might fill all things that he might fit the members of his church with the ability to minister in various functions needed to spread the gospel, the good news. The gifts varied in their purpose, but they were the same goal was to bring glory to Christ and to his church. The gifts are for edification of his body, for the furtherance of the gospel, to advance his kingdom and the knowledge of him throughout the earth 
the perfection of the saints, that these jars of clay would be evidence of Christ's glory as we minister to people of his love. If we were to fend for ourselves and not need each other, we would surely fall to our human pride. This releases us from jealousy as you begin to find fulfillment in who you are by not trying to be someone you aren't. Our relationships are not based on hierarchy or status. We begin to appreciate others for who they are without making them feel that they should be more like me. Life in the body of Christ should never be a one-man show. Moses, one of the greatest, probably the greatest leader of his day, needed to learn that lesson. He needed to learn the art of delegation. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 18. The next day Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood around Moses from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is it that are you doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning until evening? <clears throat> and Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me. And I decide between one person and another. And I make them known the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you're doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice and I will give you advice and God will be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God and you shall warn them about his statutes and the laws and make them know in which way they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from among the people, men who fear God and who are trustworthy and hate a bribe and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens and let them know and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you and you will be able to endure and all the people will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men from out of Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided for themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. Great story. I mean, I've referenced this story many times in my own life. Even though Moses was the greatest leader of the day, he couldn't do it all. He just couldn't do it all. He was graced with the ability to govern the people of God, but he needed some help. He was unable to hear all the cases. The people stood before him from morning until evening. Thousands. <laughs> Thousands. 
So God, um, through Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, taught Moses how to, how to delegate his responsibilities to, to gifted men. One thing we need to all learn is that we cannot do it all. One of my favorite basketball players who's gone now is Kobe Bryant. Kobe scored 53 points one night, and his team lost. <laughs> that just tells you that it doesn't matter how much you can do on your own. It's how well can you cooperate with one another. Every Christian needs to be involved in the edification of, of, of each other. Visitation is also the responsibility of every believer. If you know somebody that's sick or that somebody that's shut in or somebody that hasn't been to a church for a while, give them a call. More often than not, in fact, almost every time they're very thankful that, that you reached out. And, you know, there's usually something going on. Maybe they were on vacation. But we can all do that. If you need know somebody that needs to be encouraged, just encourage them. And as we all are experiencing right now, if you if you were, if somebody is mourning, you you mourn with them. You know, you, you love them. Somebody needs prayer, you pray for them. And how do you know if somebody needs prayer? You have to spend time with them, and and talk to them, and get to know them. If someone needs to be taught, teach them, teach them. It's an unsecure man who thinks he can do it all by himself. It represents a lack of faith and a, and of total dependence upon God. I remember when I hired my first manager when I, I was doing the business all by myself, and I said, "I can't continue to do this. It's, I'm not going to survive. I'm working way too many hours." And I hired my first guy, and it was the best thing I ever did. The business grew again, and uh, and I learned to become a, a delegator skill that we all need to learn. We've all been given a measure of faith. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Be sober in your thinking. God has given us various gifts, capabilities for a reason. We need to admit when we're, when we're weak. We're given each other that we might complement one another in our gifting. And God unites us in service by a mutual bond so that we might bring him glory as a church. Back to Romans, Romans 12, 6 to 8. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy in cheerfulness. This is not an exhaustive list. These are just some examples that God has given us. The church is maintained by people working together in their gifting. As the body is working properly, we, we grow in love. Without one another, we would not have that growth. 1 Timothy 4 14 to 15, do not neglect the gift within you which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid hands on you. Practice these things. Devote yourself to these things so that all may see your progress. Timothy was given a gift for ministry, but he also needed to grow. He needed to progress. He needed to learn. 
God never intended the church to be a place where you just hire one man and then everybody else sits around and listens and, 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 and that one person does all the work. Uh, on, on the other hand, you have churches that hire every single thing out and you have no volunteers. We're a church filled with volunteers. It's a lot harder to get things done with volunteers because you're asking them to make sacrifices of their time, their talent, their, their gifting. But I, it brings God glory and it's, it's a blessing to see. Sometimes when you, when you have a, a hireling or someone that you, that you hire out, and we, don't, we have a couple people we hire here, so I'm not saying you can't hire anybody, but I just think it's wonderful when you're able to, to get volunteers to work together. It just brings, brings God, God much glory. We have members here that are working within their gifting as they uh, serve one another, making sacrifices, like I said, of their time and of their talents, bringing ultimately glory to the Lord. Let me, uh, let me sum this up. We should take advantage of the very special privilege we've been given as followers of Christ. First of all, we're not to neglect our coming together as the body of Christ. Let's learn how to stimulate one another up to love and good deeds as we come together. Let us use the gifts God has blessed us with for the building up of the body of Christ. And the greatest gift of all as a mark of a Christian is the love that we have for one another. And that love should be seen also in our good works. Matthew 5, 16 says, In that same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The world can't understand this as they look at us. They, they, they wonder sometimes. We're different. Your church should be different, should be peculiar. But they should see that and ask you, why? Why do you, you guys, you guys are a, you guys are different. You're even different as a church. You have such love for one another, and your love is evidence in how you, you take care of one another, how you serve one another, how you take care of your, your building, how you, you're very careful not to park in our, our neighborhoods. You know, we're very, very blessed by that. One of the things that I was used to was getting a lot of complaints before I, I came here of, of, of neighbors not wanting churches in their neighborhoods. They just didn't want them. It, it just was more of a pain than it was a benefit. We don't have that here. We're, we're very, very blessed. And I know it's because you guys are very courteous and you're, you're thinking of others as you go about your, your, your daily, daily duties. So yeah, when that person asks you, give me a reason for the hope, you say, yes, I will give you a reason for the Let's sit down and talk. Let's go get a cup of coffee. And obviously that hope is to, to bring Christ's glory. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for the gift of the body of Christ, for the ability to come together under your headship, to reflect you, Lord, in what we do, how we act, what we say. Lord, that the light here at Pacific Hope Church would go beyond these walls, that it would spread to the neighborhood that you've placed us in. Lord, that you would be glorified in all that we, 
all that we do as a church that, Lord, your holy name would be lifted up. We thank you for your word. Thank you how it sanctifies us. Pray that you would continue to uh, bless this day, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.